Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Intentional Living series, which talks about approaching every day with purpose. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. Well, Luke chapter 2 is where we are and uh, continuing our series of uh, intentional living. And uh, just a quick question for you as we start this morning. You ever been uh, just so excited about something that you just could not wait to tell someone else? I mean, I think about, uh, for us, I think about our recent trip to Israel and uh, going there to Israel. Man, I, I was so excited about that experience. Uh, I couldn't wait to get back to tell everybody. And I uh, still, when someone brings it up, I could, I could go on for uh, hours just talking about Israel. And um, speaking of which, we already have 2020 planned out. So we're going to have a meeting in a couple of weeks. If you want to go to Israel uh, in 2020, we'll give you the dates and the cost and got that all taken care of. And uh, looking forward to that. But man, I was excited about that trip. And maybe uh, you've been excited perhaps about a trip or uh, maybe it was a wedding. You're excited about getting married. I know we have uh, Alan and Maggie back there about to get married in a week and a half and you'll be getting invitations to that. And uh, maybe it was a child. Isn't it interesting all of the child reveal parties they're having now? My parents, um, a, few, uh, a few months ago, my, my niece, their granddaughter, uh, she was having a baby reveal party. And my mom, uh, she was like, hey, we're going to go over to this baby reveal party. And uh, hey, can I ask you a question? So yeah, what exactly is a baby reveal party? <laughs> She's like, I mean, I know they're going to tell us, but why don't they just like text everybody? Hey, we're having a boy or something like that. I was like, mom, that's boring. It's a, that's the boring way, you know. And uh, somebody else said recently when they found out someone, one of our recycled teenagers said they found out one of our young couples was expecting, I think is. Bill back there found out Miss Don was expecting and said, well, just be surprised. Don't find out what it is. Just be surprised. That's how we did it back in the day, you know. Uh, man, I think about all those birth announcements and wedding announcements. There's some things that you're just so excited to share with somebody else. I think right now of little Lena. Lena, our 11-year-old. And uh, uh, man, Lena, she's just, uh, she's such a little giver. She loves to give to anybody. I mean, she could find an envelope on the ground and she'll be like, oh, this has to mean something to somebody. I'll find someone to give my envelope to. You know, she's just a giver. And every year, Christmas, like after her birthday, her birthday's September 16th, after her birthday, Christmas is on the radar. She's like, mom, how many days till Christmas? It's three months away, honey. Well, how many days? How many days is that? And well, Lena, don't. And you, most kids are excited about Christmas because they want to. They want to get, but not Lena. I, I know she's excited about receiving gifts, but from September sixteenth until Christmas Day, Lena is so excited about you opening up her Christmas gift. She's just excited every year. She's like, "I'm going to have the first Christmas gift under the tree." This year, Dennis was like, "Lena." You have the first Christmas gift under the tree every year. Could I do it this year? And she was just like, well, if you beat me. <laughs> Listen, I think it was two weeks ago the first Christmas gift was under the tree. And you know who it was from? Lena. Last night we are talking about Christmas. And, you know, anytime uh, parents, this is totally a rabbit trail, but it's really funny. Anytime you get a, a package in the mail around Christmas time, all the kids are like, what is it? 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 Hey, you got something. What is it? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, okay. 
hey, dad, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? And last night, we just, Hannah said, you know, guys, we're going to actually cancel Christmas this year. And when we order you something, we're just going to just be like, oh, well, here you go. You can just take it right now. So there's no surprise. And I was like, that's a great idea. Then Christmas Day, we can just sleep in. Don't have to be disturbed. This is a good idea. And the kids are like, no, we don't like that idea. Why? Because you, we like the surprise. Everyone likes that, like the surprise of getting. Lena likes that surprise of giving. And she's so, right now, she's so excited about giving. And uh, when we were talking about Christmas gifts last night, I said, I said, well, something about buying things. And Lena goes, Dad, who said that you have to buy people gifts? She was like, I just make all mine. That's just, that's just that giving heart. You know what? And I'm not saying this to kind of boast her up. I'm saying this because I love that spirit. But what I love about it is she is like, she's almost giddy about what you're opening on Christmas. I just can't wait for you guys to open my gift. Mom, I can't wait for you to open my gift. You know what? When there's something that's special to us, we're excited to speak about it. Today, we're gonna come to Luke chapter number two, and we're gonna talk about this, that the, the fact of the matter is that if you have Christ in your life, you've been given the best gift ever. And you and I, we should be excited about sharing our gift with someone else. And so today, as we talk about intentional living, we're gonna look at this idea of intentionally sharing, intentionally speaking about Christ to people. The title of the message is I just can't wait because of the thought. I just can't wait to tell you. I just can't wait to tell you. I can't wait till you experience what I've experienced. We're gonna see that in the Christmas story this morning in some characters. So let's stand and let's go to Luke chapter number two. And we're gonna read actually the first 20 verses, kind of a longer portion of scripture to read, but I'll try to read it quickly and we will get into the lesson and the message this morning. Luke chapter two. And of course, if we've been going through our series, Intentional Living, we've talked about a lot. Last week, we looked at the first part of the Christmas story about Mary and uh, about her being intentionally surrendered. And we saw in Luke 138, where she said, be it unto me according to thy word. But the phrase before that was, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. God, I'm yours. And so last week, we were challenged about being intentionally surrendered each and every day. It's a mindset, waking up and saying, God, my words, my actions, my thoughts, what I do today, it all belongs belongs to you. And today we're going to talk about this intentionally sharing. And so Luke chapter two, you begin in verse number one, you read quietly as I read aloud, or you can follow along on the screen. It says this, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse number eight. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, 
I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe, the baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Verse number 16. And they came with haste, and Mary found, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Listen, I don't know about you, but uh, I've heard the Christmas story so many times, but it never gets old. And I love, I love reading the account of Luke chapter 2 and uh, verse 1 through 20. And this morning, we're going to look and we're going to really key in on some things. We're going to discover the uh, context of the scripture and the context of the story and uh, notice some things that I think help us. But we're going to really zoom in on verse number 17. So I want you to take your Bible and look with me at verse 17 just very quickly and notice what it says in verse 17. It says, and when they had seen it, the shepherds, when they had seen it, seen Jesus, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. I love the phrase, they made known abroad. We're going to discover some thoughts about that passage, about that verse, and about the whole passage this morning as we look at intentionally sharing Christ with people around us. Let's pray, and then we'll get into his word today. God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for uh, the time we've already had worshiping you. We thank you for the singing this morning. Lord, what an awesome time to gather our voices together and to worship you and praise. And Father, we just ask you that as we come into the preaching time, that you would fill uh, me with your spirit and each of us, that we would have ears to hear. And Lord, I uh, again just humble my heart before you and ask you that you would speak through me today. And Father, that we would just be challenged as we listen and learn uh, from the lives of the shepherds this morning. As I, before I close my prayer, if you would just take a moment in your own heart, would you give God permission to speak to you? And just maybe ask God to show you something from this Christmas story today. Again, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're going to do today. We pray that you'd bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we start this morning, I want us first of all to see the account of Christ's birth. There's a lot that takes place, and, uh, and many of you perhaps know the Christmas story, but just to help us kind of all be on the same page, I want to kind of get the story. And while we could all maybe quote some details of the story, I want to kind of look at it in detail, what took place that night. As you come to Luke chapter 2, we're going to find that there was a man, uh, a wicked ruler that was ruling Caesar Augustus that was there. And uh, this was one that, uh, it's interesting to me because 
<coughs> even though he was a wicked ruler, God was using Caesar Augustus to accomplish his plan. You say, well, how do we know that? If you were to go to prophecy about Jesus, the Bible tells us that the Messiah would be born in the city of David. What's the city of David? Bethlehem. All right, well, in Luke chapter one, the angel came to Mary in a town of Nazareth. Okay, so God, how are we gonna get Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem? She's not from Bethlehem, she's from Nazareth. So how are we gonna get her down to fulfill the prophecy? That's later, if you go to the life of Christ, that's why many Pharisees didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah because Mary was from Nazareth. And they said, well, how can he be the Messiah? Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem. Well, this is a simple fix for Jesus. It's a simple fix for God. You go to verse number one, and we find that everyone's going to their city to be taxed. Uh, there came out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world, all the known Roman world would be taxed. This was a taxing that would happen every 14 years. The ruler would do this to kind of get a census of the people. Uh, they would do this, of course, to get the money of the people, but every 14 years. And it just so happened. It was just complete coincidence that this taxing happened a few months after Mary found out she was going to have a baby. I mean, it's just coincidence, isn't it? No, it's not coincidence. And the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph, they would go and God would use this Caesar Augustus to help them travel from the north all the way to the south, from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. And I know you can't read the cities, but you can see that red line. That would be their journey. They would travel south. They would go over uh, east over the Jordan River and south and then back west over the Jordan River by Jericho. You say, why would they do that? Because of that area right there in the middle called Samaria. All the Jews would bypass Samaria. They didn't want to travel through that. And so they would travel either as close to the Jordan River as they could, or they would go over it and travel south and avoid the land of Samaria. Well, this would be a 95 to 100 mile trek that Joseph and and Mary would make, and man, they, uh, they probably didn't have trains to take. They didn't have a bus. Our friend Kurt Skelly says that they rode a Camelac. And you know what? They probably rode a camel or a donkey, something of that nature to go, and you ladies have made, some of you have been expecting before. How'd you like to ride a, a camel or a donkey for 95 miles when you're eight and a half months pregnant? expecting. Anybody want to sign up for that one? I don't think so. And yet this is the trek they made. When we think about their journey, I know for years I was just kind of thinking, oh, you know, it's just 95 miles, just probably kind of a straight shot, you know, or something like that. But when we went to Israel, we found out what they traveled over. This would be some of the terrain, and this is just some of it that they would have to travel. We were driving along, and uh, man, this is a, a picture that either Micah or myself took. I don't remember uh, but we were driving along, and man, as we were going, we, we began, they're like, now we're on our way to Bethlehem, and they're talking about all of this, and Mike and I are just kind of sitting there, and then it dawned, like, these are the hills that Mary and Joseph would have had to travel. Like, this is the area, and I'm going to tell you, this is the most pleasant looking of the area. The other pictures are just cliffs and rocks, and it's just crazy. And they're doing this 95 miles traveling down to Bethlehem. Well, I love just the, uh, the thought, and I wish I could uh, say more about it, but 
I love how God used Caesar to get them down there. And it just reminds me of Proverbs 21.1, that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And uh, man, God was working a plan and allowing this couple to travel this 95 miles. They would travel down to Bethlehem. These are a few of the remains of uh, that old Bethlehem area. And we got to, to walk through that. Of course, Bethlehem's changed quite a bit. Uh, if you go, this is what Bethlehem looks at, looks like now. And uh, man, again, just what an amazing story that God would use uh, this king to get them to this area. And I won't read that verse again, read it a second ago. But once they got to Bethlehem, we know the story. The Bible tells us that there was no room for them in the inn. They would perhaps go and the inn would be um, like a a couple of spare rooms, maybe attached to someone's house. And there were some that there were some inns that were actually like motels that we would have now. There was actually some travel inns where uh, you could go and you could uh, um, house your sheep and yourself. And sometimes you would stay and or your your donkey or your camel. And uh, sometimes they would stay in the same um, kind of little, uh, it'd almost be like a garage type of room. You would stay in there with your animals. But I believe that when Mary and Joseph showed up to Bethlehem, because it was such a small town at the time, and because of kind of the culture of that area at the time, I think it was the inn was probably just somebody that had two or three rooms. Two or three rooms that they opened up as an inn at the back of their house, or uh, maybe two or three little shacks behind their house that they would put people in. And the Bible tells us there was no room for them in the inn. And so now you have Mary and Joseph bedding down for the night in a stable. Now, when we think of a stable, I know all the nativity scenes, they make it a beautiful little barn. I hate to be the uh, person that tells you, but that's not true. there wasn't, they, they didn't have fancy little barns. It was a hewn out cave where they would store 20 to 25 animals. They would lodge 20 to 25 animals uh, in the stable. So it was a barn that kept animals, but it wasn't this little wooden barn with uh, straw and all this insulation and really nice things like we have now. Uh, it would have been just a cave. This is one that we, we got to spend some time in and actually that, that back uh, uh, opening back there it was an awesome little crawl space that, uh, Hannah, did you go, we went through that. Did you go through that? And we crawled through this crawl space and it took us about 80 feet back uh, to the entry of the whole uh, complex area. And so little secret passages they would have. And I was thinking about that. It was probably something that was attached to someone's house. So they'd be able to go and they would go to check on their animals. And that was kind of like the back door going down to the, going back down to the barn, going back down to the cave. They would take the back door and go down through the crawl space, check on their animals, and then crawl back home and not have to be able to, to go outside or anything. And so here's this, here's this stable that they're in. Well, the Bible tells us that she gave birth in this stable. And after Jesus was born, we picture this beautiful little box manger. That's not true either. Jesus actually would have been laid in a feeding trough. That's what the manger would be. It'd be a cement feeding trough, something like you see on the screen here. And this would be something that they would feed and water the animals in. And yet you find that here is Jesus, king of the world, king of the universe, king of eternity, humbling himself. His first room, it was shared with animals. It was stinky. It was probably uh, filled with parasites, dirt, everything that comes along with animals. 
and he's laid in a feeding trough. Not a bed, not a king mattress, not a rocking chair, a cement slab. And on top of that, the Bible tells us that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, if you know, many of you have done the research, swaddling clothes, they're actually death linens. That's what swaddling clothes are. That when someone goes to die, you wrap them in swaddling cloth, in that linen. It's a burial cloth. So apparently, this innkeeper didn't have much. Say, well, I don't have very many blankets. They're already being used by everybody else. Maybe he was like, but you know what? My grandfather just passed away a few weeks ago. And we have some, we have some swaddling cloth still left over. Or maybe it's just a preparation. We don't know, but we know they had it. And so here's the king of the world being born into a stinky stable, lying in a nasty manger, and then wrapped with death clothes. It's a symbol. It's a picture. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die for you and for me. And what an awesome thought thinking about this. And when you look at all of the events, again, I wish we could just spend time looking at each and every one of these things, but it... it, it helps us understand what Paul wrote when he wrote this. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Hey, there's no argument. This is a great mystery that God became man. Man, the events of that night, the account of Christ's birth, Luke chapter two, verse one through seven tells us all about it. Well, as you continue reading the story, and since we don't have time to elaborate on it, let's move on to the next portion of this scripture is the announcement of Christ's birth. Man, now we know Jesus is born. He's at a, at a stable in Bethlehem at the house of an innkeeper, and uh, he's laying in a, in, a, in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Okay, who knows about this? Well, nobody knows about it. The innkeeper probably knew they had a baby, but do you think the innkeeper knew who the baby was? No. If he had known, he probably would have said, let's change. I'm going to go to the stable. You have the house. If he would have known, some things would have happened. The innkeeper maybe knew a baby was there, but didn't know what baby this was. Mary and Joseph, now think about the story. Out of everybody, only Mary and Joseph would know that this was the Messiah. We know that Elizabeth and Zechariah would know, but Elizabeth and Zechariah, they don't know that Mary's having the baby. She didn't have FaceTime to say, hey, we just had the baby. They didn't have text message. They didn't have email to shoot an email and say, man, praise the Lord for a healthy birth. So people knew the Messiah was coming, but now he's here. So how do you get the word out that the Messiah is around? An angel crier. I love it, an angel chorus. Look at it. The Bible tells us that it was announced by angels. You can see it and read it there. Uh, just those first few verses, it says in verse number uh, eight, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. The angel said, fear not, for I behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ 
the Lord. Man, the announcement of the birth of the Messiah came by angels. They say, hey, uh, Messiah has been born. The one that was promised has been born. Verse 13 tells us that suddenly around the angel, there was a whole heavenly host of angels, a multitude of angels, and they were singing glory to God, a heavenly host. They were praising God and singing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward. Man, they're now singing the praises. And this announcement, it wasn't just a little letter that was sent out. It wasn't just a little uh, 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 Facebook post that was given. Now it's declared by angels. Now, I don't know about you, and I, I think I hit this every year because I love it. But can you imagine being those angels? Or excuse me, being those shepherds? Think about being the shepherds. You're out there taking care of your sheep like you've done every night for years. You talk about a monotonous job. That's what they did, just stood around. They walked them. Now, we know a lot It happened with a shepherd, but every night just watching and boom, the angels come. What was it the angels were announcing? We can go through the scripture. We're not gonna do uh, uh, highlight all these verses. Let me just tell you real quick. They were announcing this. They were saying, number one, Jesus, the Savior has come. Hey, he's the Savior of all the world. It's peace to all men. It's joy to all men. He's the Savior. They announced Jesus the Savior. They announced Jesus the Messiah, the promised one, the one who would come for not only all the people, the Savior of the world, but specifically for Israel. They announced that he was uh, the Savior. That's verse 11, that he was Messiah, which is Christ. It says, uh, verse 11, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, then a Christ, and then they, they announce that Jesus is the Lord. Look at what it says. It says, which is Christ the Lord, Messiah the Lord. So he's not only the Savior of the world, he's also Lord, Master over all. But then they also tell him that he's the Prince of Peace. It says that in verse number 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. And we know that Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. And you know, you think about this, what a, what a birth announcement. I mean, today babies are born and, and an announcement's put somewhere in a newspaper on Facebook that Jesus's birth was announced by angels. But notice, secondly, it was announced to shepherds. It was announced to these shepherds. You think about shepherds and uh, uh, shepherds at that time, they were lowly. Shepherds at that time, they were mostly unknown. They were seen, all shepherds were seen as less than common men. Did you know when I read this interesting thought about shepherds, uh, that shepherds, they were actually not allowed at, the, at this time, I believe, or right after this time, shepherds would not be allowed to testify for anything. So if you got called to court and the, the only witness was a shepherd, people wouldn't listen. That's interesting. Because here's the announcement being made to shepherds. People who were not respected, people who were not loved, people who were not cared for, people who were not seen as good working class citizens. Can I just help you with something and we'll make the quick connection? I love it because it's the Lord saying, hey, I came for the least. Who does that cover? Everybody above the least. So he came for the greatest, right? The angel came and spoke to Zacharias in chapter number one, the priest, the, the one who offered, I mean, the one that everybody looked up to. He came to Mary, a lowly little virgin at the end of, or the middle of chapter number one, end of chapter number one. And now he's coming to shepherds, 
people not respected by anyone. Now, what an awesome thought, those shepherds there. We got to be there in Israel, and this is not an Israel promotion. I just love the fact that I could show you these pictures. Uh, we got to be there. This is some of the hills right outside of the city of Bethlehem. These hills right here face, so right where I'm, stand, where I'm standing and taking this picture, I'm actually standing right above that little uh, um, cutout stable that we looked at a minute ago. I'm standing on top of that. It's out of a hillside. I'm standing on the hill that that's cut out of. And you say, Pastor, was it that stable? Was it these hills? We don't know. But the old saying about it being over there, if it wasn't here, it was near. It could have been these hills. Here's these shepherds. Micah got a really good shot of a, of a shepherd. We were out there and <clears throat> we're just looking at all this and just talking, man, it's amazing. Can you imagine? And talking about the angels. And, and uh, I said, oh, look, there's a, there's a herd of sheep down there. And I just saw a few sheep. And oh, wouldn't it be cool if we saw a shepherd? And I left. About 10 minutes later, Micah comes running. He's like, pastor, look at this. You didn't see it, but there was a shepherd behind the tree that came out. And there was a shepherd down there wrapped up in, in a robe, holding the staff right by the sheep. And uh, he got a really cool picture of that. You can ask him for it. And I just didn't want to show you because it's too many pictures. But you know what? Man, here's, the, here's these shepherds. They're out on this hillside. The angels appear. They announce Jesus, the, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Prince of Peace. That announcement has been given. But can I just tell you this morning that when an announcement of Christ is given to somebody, it has to be followed by the choice of somebody. Let me explain that thought. We look this morning, we find the account of the shepherd. We look at the, or the account of, of uh, Christ's birth. We look at the announcement of Christ's birth. But I want you to notice, secondly, you've got to have the acceptance of Christ. Okay. <clears throat> You're the shepherds. The announcement comes. Now you have a choice to make. What do you do? What do you do with the announcement? What do you do with Jesus? What do the shepherds do? They could have said, man, must ate some bad pizza last night. <laughs> they could have said, man, that's... That's pretty interesting. You know what? We should, we should probably go tell Herod. They could have said that. They could have said, hey, angels appeared to us. I'm done being a shepherd. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go be a motivational speaker because angels appeared to me. So I should be able now to teach every. You think, pastor, come on, this is silly. Would they? Listen, we have to know that a lot of thoughts cross their mind. They had to choose. What do we do? Well, I love what the Bible says they did. Verse number 15. It says, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, uh, the shepherds said one to another, hey, let's go to bed. Let's wake up tomorrow and go. No. Man, they said this, let us now. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And verse 16, it says those words, and they came with haste. They came with haste. You know what? The fact of the matter is this, and we'll fly through this point, but when, when Jesus is presented to somebody, they have to choose what are they gonna do with him. 
Here it has been presented. Jesus is the Messiah. He is here. He is the Savior. Shepherds, what do you do? What are you going to do with this? And I love it doesn't say that they stalled or postponed or procrastinated. It says they, with haste, came to see him. You know what? I hope that that was your decision when you heard about Jesus Christ. Man, when you first heard about him, I hope that you, with haste, received him. But most people, that's not their story. Most people, it takes a few times of hearing about Jesus. Most people, it's someone coming and, and talking to you. There's some in our church that, man, I know people were praying for them for 10 or 12 or 15 years to get saved. There's people uh, that I know, uh, man, that their husband or their wife prayed for them for, there's one couple I know, uh, she prayed for her husband for 25 years for him to receive Christ as Savior, was presenting Jesus to him all the time, and he never received you know what, they're, they're, we need to understand that when Christ is presented, a decision has to be made. It, it just has to be made. If I choose not to receive him at that time, you know what I'm choosing? Not to receive him at that time. I'm choosing to say no, but I'm still choosing. If I choose to say I'm gonna put this off, I'm still choosing. I love these shepherds. What a great example they are, and this is what I want us to understand. <clears throat> they not only receive Christ quickly, but it's a good reminder for us as believers, and here's why. Now, the Lord does not speak to us through angels. Now God speaks to us through his word. Did you know that the angel or that the shepherd's response to receive with haste the uh, announcement and knowing that Jesus is there, with haste they went to him, their response is a great example for us even after we're saved. Here's why. God still speaks to you through his word. And every time God speaks to you or me, we have a decision we're gonna make. Do I obey him? Do I obey his truth? Do I allow his truth to work in my life? And do I make decision upon it? Or do I procrastinate? What a good example the shepherds are, don't you think? They said, with haste, we're gonna obey his word. We're, let us now go. And with haste, they came unto him. I see that those shepherds, they had the acceptance of Christ but I want you to notice lastly with me this morning that after the acceptance in your life and my life and their life, that there's some alterations because of Christ. After a person has met with Jesus, some things are gonna change. And, the, and that was true in scripture. It was true in the Old Testament and it's true in the New Testament and it was true in the Christmas story. Notice with me what happens. They come in, they meet Mary, and I can imagine they meet Mary and Joseph and they share their story. The Bible tells us in verse 18 that Mary pondered all of the things in her heart because they shared with Mary what the angels had said unto them. But I want you to notice with me this morning what the Bible tells us they did. The Bible tells us in verse number uh, 20, it tells us this, and uh, let me slide past something. It tells us that there was praise in their heart. Man, after they received the Lord, they went away with praise in their heart. Notice verse 20, it says this, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. After these shepherds met Jesus, they left God singing praises to him. Um, it's an interesting word study, uh, but when it says they returned glorifying and praising God, the phrase praising God, it means to verbally sing out praises to God. That's what that phrase 
phrase means right there. And so these shepherds, they left. They might not have been able to sing. They might not have known what songs to sing, but we know they left singing songs of glory and praise to God. And you know what that helps me understand is that when you and I have met with God, when we've received the Lord as our Savior, there's going to be some changes that take place. And one of those changes is praise in the heart. You know what that is? That's a refocusing of attention. Now life, once a person gets saved, it's supposed to be that a life, life is no longer about me and about you. No, instead, we want to direct glory and we want to direct praise to God. That was true in the life of the shepherds. It was true uh, in the life of Paul. Paul wrote this to all believers. He said, hey, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Once you get saved, glory and praise now belongs to him. It does not belong to me. Their focus was a God focus, not a self-focused. And if you know Christ as your Savior, listen, how is your praise to him? How is your focus upon him? I see them leaving Jesus, and they left him, glorifying him and praising him. Man, it all becomes about him. I see first that there was a praise in their heart, but notice this uh, second change and last today is that there was a passion in their life. They leave with a new passion in their life. We read about it in verse number 17. Notice what it says in verse number 17. It says, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Um, <clears throat> I said it a, a few minutes ago, but the phrase they made known abroad, that means that with zeal, with excitement, and with energy, they began telling everybody they came across. They had a new passion, a new desire to tell other people what they had experienced. They wanted to tell people about the Christ, the Messiah. Did you know that's common in Scripture, that when people meet Jesus, they go tell others? I think about Andrew in John chapter 1, verse 40 and 41. It says that Andrew, he first findeth his own brother Simon and told him we found the Messiah. I think about Philip in John 1, verse number 45, when Philip, the Bible says, he goes and he finds Nathanael and said, hey, we have found the one who Moses spoke about, the found the Messiah. How about the woman at the well in John chapter number four, when she left her water pot and went to the city and declared unto all of the city uh, that she had met the Messiah. She said, come and see a man which told me everything that I've ever done. Is not this the Christ? How about the maniac of Gadara in Mark chapter number five in verse number 20, where it says, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis 10 cities he went to and told them how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. What about Anna in Luke in chapter number two, after she saw the baby Jesus uh, there on the eighth day, how the Bible says, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Listen, the fact is that it is a new desire that when somebody receives Jesus Christ as their savior, they probably become passionate about telling others about him. I want you to think about this. And before you answer it out loud, I want to ask you, are you passionate about telling others about Jesus? Don't say yes right now. Don't, don't just have this mindset. Oh yes, I'm very passionate about it. No, listen, I want us to see and understand this morning that we get passionate about a lot of things. We get passionate and excited about a lot of happenings in life, but oftentimes the 
thing that we get uh, uh, probably gets the least amount of focus in our life is the fact that we are born again or that we have Christ in our life and that we want to share that with others. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be that guy that just walks around to everybody and is just uh, um, weird. I'm not talking about being that guy. Okay, I'm talking about having a passion in your heart that has, a, that has a concern for the souls of people around you. And so you want to speak to them intentionally about their soul. You know, when you look at these shepherds, I see that they left. And I want to show you this morning, and we'll cover this, that these shepherds, they didn't just speak about Jesus and speak about this kind of in a, in a, in a, a half-hearted type of way. I want you to see that I believe that these shepherds, they did it intentionally. And you and I, we need to make a decision to be passionate about telling people about Christ and do it intentionally. How do we know they did it intentionally? Well, three things in this verse, and we'll be done. Number one, we know that they gave their energy in it. They, they gave energy. The phrase made known abroad, it means they distributed the, inf the information thoroughly or exhaustedly. They put their energy into reaching others. I want you to know that they gave an explanation. They didn't just say, uh, hey, the Messiah's here. No, the Bible says in verse 17, they, they told abroad the saying which was told them. So there was an explanation of it. They explained, hey, here's what has happened, and here's what was told unto us, and here's what we've seen. They explained it. All right, there was energy, there was uh, this explanation, but then also they gave evidence. All right, their own testimony was evidence of this. Their own testimony and their own word was, no, we were just there. It just happened. We were in Bethlehem, and, and we, we heard the angels. We were over on those hills, and we got to know they weren't going up to Nazareth right now. No, they're going and telling people they're in Bethlehem. They're going and telling people right there in that area. Listen, those hills right there, we were, did you see that bright light? Yeah, I kind of saw that. That was angels talking to us. We traveled from there. We came up here to this, uh, the stable up here. You guys, you guys remember the, uh, the old innkeeper? He has that stable down there. We were down there at the innkeeper's house, and his stable. There's a young couple. Remember that young couple we saw traveling in town yesterday? That couple, the one with child, that baby was the Messiah. You should go see. You should go see. What were they doing? They were giving evidence. Do you know what? When I read verse number 17, I don't think they were just like, man, that's kind of cool. Let's go. Oh, hey, some baby is born back there. I think it's the Messiah. They didn't have that heart. No, the, the verbiage in verse 17 helps us know they gave energy, they gave explanation, and they gave evidence. Can I just tell you that that's what it looks like when you intentionally share Christ with somebody? It takes energy to invest Jesus into someone. You know why? Because it takes relationship. And you and I, we can go about, and I'm all for, listen, I am absolutely all for door knocking. And if you ever want to go door knocking, you see Micah, we have maps, we have donuts and doors every now and then that we can get out and somebody from the church at least once a week, there's someone from Moses Lake Baptist out knocking doors in our community. And praise the Lord for that. I am all for door knocking. I am all for just witnessing to the, the strangers and cashiers and inviting people. And we talk about that often. But you want to know what's often the most effective in bringing people to Jesus? When you have a relationship with them. Because they see the difference it's made in you. When you have a relationship with them, you know what relationships take? Energy. It takes you putting forth a little bit to say, I'm going to be selfless and I'm going to speak to this person about the Messiah, even if it doesn't happen today. 
I'm going to keep talking to them. I'm going to keep following up on them. If it's that coworker, if it's that friend, if it's that relative, it takes energy, energy to just invest Jesus into somebody. But it also, it also takes an explanation. Don't just expect people to believe because you just say Jesus is the Messiah. You've got to be able to explain why is he the Messiah. You know what that means? That means I should probably know. You know what that takes? Getting in the word of God myself. I have to figure out how do I explain salvation? How do I explain who Jesus is? How do I explain the difference he's made in my life? How do I explain to people that he is the only one that can offer forgiveness? But you know what explanation takes? Evidence. What's the evidence? Your life. Here's the thought then. If your life doesn't match your words, your words are meaningless. And there's a, there's a lot of people out there that they, they'll say, I would be a Christian except for so-and-so. They, they told me they were a Christian, and man, they, 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 their life didn't, they, they did a bad business deal with me. Oh, that guy did this. Oh, that guy did that. I just want us to see this morning that these shepherds, they were intentional about sharing Christ. They thought about it. They didn't leave and just by chance, share Jesus with somebody. They gave their energy to it. They explained it. They gave the evidence of it. Man, I, I would think about your life and in my life, and the Bible helps us understand that we're gonna come across people all the time. And they need you and I to be intentional with them in sharing Christ with them. You know, <clears throat> I talked a little bit, of, a little bit ago about... Uh, about Lena being excited to give Christmas gifts and how she's already wrapped presents. They're already under the tree. Her excitement, her excitement is not just about the gift being under the tree. Her excitement is about you opening the gift and seeing what she got for you. I have something for you and I can't wait for you to open. I just can't wait for you to see it. Can I tell you, that should be your and my approach about Jesus in our life. He is the greatest gift. And my heart should be, I just can't wait to share him with somebody. Man, I just can't wait for God to bring me an opportunity this week. Man, I just can't wait for the Lord to open up that door with that, that coworker. I'm not gonna force the door open. I'm gonna allow God to bring opportunity. And I'm gonna be looking for opportunity because intentionally sharing Christ means that my eyes are saying, God, you open the door, I'll walk through it. I've got a gift and I'm excited to share it with someone else. Man, intentionally sharing Christ. It takes energy, it takes that explanation, it takes evidence. I just wonder this week, the, the, the question that I have for you today as we wrap up is who needs you to intentionally share Christ with them this week? And who, who are you gonna come across this week? And they need you to step out of your comfort zone and to speak about Christ. But maybe you're here this morning and you'd be honest and the reason you can't share Christ with people is because you don't know Christ. I wanna ask you that today. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Are you sure that if you died today that you'd go to heaven? Listen, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, the angels came and they said, behold, unto you is born this day in the city of David. Can I tell you that that unto you was you as well? That Jesus was born for all of the world. And you might say, well, I've been baptized or I've been to this church or I've done these things. Listen, doing doesn't get us to heaven. It's only having a time when we've 
asked Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin and to be our savior. A time when we put our faith and our trust, not in who we are or what we do, but completely in him. I wonder this morning, do you know him? I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed today as we wrap up. And if God's spoken to you, I just wanna encourage you to respond during the invitation. Maybe today you're here and you don't know you're going to heaven. We're gonna have an invitation. We invite you to come. Someone will take a Bible. They'll show you from the word of God how you can know it. But if you are here and you do know Christ as your savior, would you come today and just say, God, would you help me to intentionally share you with others? Christmas season, great opportunity. God, would you help me with this? Lord, I pray that you bless our invitation. Help us to respond to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.